Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Loved him just like you love him. But the stories bear a truth that is so powerful. It's beyond belief. And when you look at the characters in each of these stories presented in the Bible, it's amazing. It's amazing what God did. Now, I'll give you an example. I want you to think for a moment about Mary. We don't know exactly how old she was, somewhere between 14 and 16. Uh, girls got married at a younger age then. The lifespan was uh, shorter than it is now. Our average lifespan was about 40 years old. And I, I shared with you before that from the time of Abraham, which was thousands of years before, at least a couple thousand, uh, this took place with Mary, Abraham had a visitation. How many of you have ever seen an angel and you knew it was an angel? You have? Okay, anybody else? It's pretty rare, isn't it? But it happens. And uh, Abraham was told that there was a new deal, a new covenant coming. And it was going to be encompassed around one central character, the Messiah, which means Savior. Now, from the time that that happened, people got word. They knew what had happened with Abraham. And every woman in the Jewish culture from that time on That's you. <laughs> uh, every woman in the Jewish faith had a secret desire that God would use her to bring forth the Messiah. I think in the beginning they didn't really even realize or know how it was going to take place. But th- think about this. If you were a Mary... 16, 14, 15, right in there. You know, I, uh, ladies, I have a lot of uh, respect and honor for you because I, I can't imagine what you go through uh, in conception and pregnancy and delivery of a child. It's got to be the most emotional and, and difficult, one of the most difficult times of your life. I don't think many men understand it. Uh, because we don't go through it. But even though every woman wanted to be the one that would bring forth the Messiah, most of them knew that it wasn't going to be them because it was going to be one woman. So here's Mary, and we're going to read it, but here's Mary in, a, in a, her house, and she has a visitation uh, from an angel. Let's, let's look at that. Uh, And we're going to look at some other things as we go along here. Uh, Let's look at chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. 
Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now you gotta, there's, there's language in the Bible that you've got to be able to figure out. It's, notice here it says before they came together. If you're smart, you understand that he's talking here about physically coming together as a married couple. So before they had that physical relationship, she is pregnant. Now, obviously, Joseph is going to have a little bit of a problem with that. Then Joseph, verse 19, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. In other words, privately, he didn't, you know, back then, if you were engaged and you came up pregnant with somebody else's child, that was an offense that could cost you your life. You could be taken out into a stone quarry and stoned to death. Now, Joseph didn't want that. He, he's, a, he's a just man, but he's also, he, he also loves her. But at the same time, he feels like she has betrayed him. And so, rather than cause a big brouhaha and, and arrange to have Mary stoned to death, he, he's, he thinks, well, I'll just break off the engagement and I'll tell her, her parents, you know, take her somewhere, whatever. But, verse 20, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, he probably doesn't know what that means. He's getting an idea from the angelic realm, he's getting, he's getting the idea that she's had a visitation of her own. He's getting an idea that she didn't cheat on him. Something supernatural happened. You with me? And so the angel says, Joseph, don't, don't get rid of her. Keep her because there's a miracle about to take place. And, and verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, we've got, we've got a lot of Hebrew roots people out there. They, they, they can't stand to use the name Jesus, so they're always talking Yeshua or, or whatever. But, you know, I often tell people if, if uh, I was talking uh, to somebody in Spanish, having a conversation, I wouldn't expect them to call me John. I would expect them in Spanish to call me Juan. Or Juanito. And so uh, I wouldn't be offended by that. And so when we're talking in English, that, that word, uh, Jesus, an Aramaic word, is translated to Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus. So it's okay to use the name Jesus, okay? So don't be offended by that. She shall call his, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, listen, watch this, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. 
Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. And knew Now, here's, here's some more of that language. And knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. In, in that vernacular then, when you see these words in this context, knew her not, he's again talking about a physical relationship. Now, there are some people of some faiths today that believe that, that Mary was a virgin and remained a virgin for her whole life. That's not true. Uh, Mary had other children, and Jesus had brothers. Are y'all, are y'all listening? It's very important. But he didn't have a physical relationship with her until after uh, Jesus was born. What an amazing thing. And then when you get into this story, you begin to... to to consider all kinds of things. Well, how did this happen? How did Mary conceive a child? I mean, did, did God know her? Did he have a physical? No. It says she, was, she conceived by the Holy Ghost. It was more a supernatural miracle. She was touched by the Spirit of God himself. And she conceived a child. Now, think about it. Takes an egg, takes a sperm. Sperm comes from the man, the egg comes from the woman. In this case, she offered up the egg and the sperm didn't come from Joseph or anybody else. It came from God himself. Now, let me explain to you, and I have a couple of other times, but I want you to get this. Let me tell you why that's important and vital for you to know. Okay? The Bible says that Jesus was fully God and fully man. Now, why is that important? It's important because whoever, look at me, whoever dies for you has to be a human being. Now, your mother would would die for you, but the problem is she's a sinner. See, that's the other part of the miracle here. Whoever dies for you must be a human, but it also has to be someone who is without sin. Now, if you're aware of this, but you were born with sin, you inherited it spiritually from your parents just like your other uh, like if your dad had a big nose more likely you're going to have a big nose okay and so this is a spiritual thing that's handed down is everybody with me today lift your left hand lift it high high go like this take a deep breath and put it down now the only way that a human being can be without sin is God has to get involved. Now, his mother was a human, so that fulfilled that requirement. And his father was God himself. God, there is no sin in God. So, Jesus was born without sin. And he was a human being, and that made him a candidate to die for you. Only person who has ever lived who could qualify to die for you. Only one that ever lived and no one else has ever filled, filled the bill since then. Are you listening? This is an absolute miracle. Can you think of a girl, 14 to 15 years old, she's pregnant, uh, they got to come to Jerusalem to register for taxes or whatever it was. Uh, well, we'll, re- we'll read some more of it. Uh, I want you to look at chapter 2. And verse number one, everybody look there. Matthew chapter two, verse one. 
Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the, uh, Bethlehem, by the way, is a town uh, to the north of Jerusalem, about five miles, okay? Uh, first time I went to Bethlehem, it, it's also an Arab-controlled uh, uh, village today. Uh, first time I went there, we, uh, they asked me to go out there to lead music. We, we pulled up in a big bus, and my goodness, people started a crowd began to develop, and there was also a problem. I looked around. I looked up on the, on the top of a grocery store right across the street, and here were these Arab guys up on the roof, and they didn't look too happy, and I thought, uh-oh. And back then, it was right in the middle of the uh, bus bombings and, and all of that. I looked around the crowd, and there were, there were Arab men who didn't look happy that were just kind of infiltrating throughout the crowd, but that was my first encounter with Bethlehem. And it was kind of shaky for me. Uh, I've been there several times since, and, and I feel a little bit better about it. So, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. These are the three kings that we talk about. And they're saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, these guys, I don't think, are necessarily Jewish guys. They're, they're kingly, they're royal, and they've got a lot of money, obviously. But somewhere, they have heard a prophetic utterance that the Jewish people have a Messiah on the way. And they want to be part of it. They believe it. So a lot of people... Uh, Samaritans and there are a lot of people back then who who weren't necessarily Jewish people but they believed in the Jewish God okay everybody listening and so look at verse 2 again saying where is he that is born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him we had a star up there a while ago it was kind of neat this year, uh, I understand, is uh, going to be another year where the, the star is going to appear in the sky. It's a, a, a joining together of two planets, isn't it? Saturn and, and Mars, is that what it is? And the two of them, uh, there's a, it hasn't happened. It happened in the 1500s, but n nobody saw it because it was in the wrong place. But it happened again. It happened first time people saw anything was in the 1200s they could go out of their home and look up in the sky and here was this star it wasn't actually a star it was the two planets coming together and it was bright it was huge and so by the way you're going to get to see that I think it's on December 21st and uh, so today is the 13th so uh, when would the 21st be do what eight days from now okay be sure you remember that and go out. I don't know where, what area of the sky it'll be. And does anybody know? But that would be something to see. You know, how many of you have heard of the blood moon? Now, I'd never heard of that. And uh, the second year that I went to Jerusalem, uh, we went to En Gedi, uh, you know, where the Dead Sea Scrolls were, were found. And out there in the desert, 6,000 pilgrims drove up there in buses, 6,000. And guess who did the music? 
that's when I could still talk and say, please pray for me. I'd like to have my voice back. But uh, somebody said something as we were going up there. It was just before dark. They said, well, I understand it's going to be a blood moon tonight. Now, in Getty, uh, it's, uh, is it in Getty? I think that's right. Anyway, it sits right on the Dead Sea. Now, as you look, we were up on the side of the hill, and you could see uh, on, across the Dead Sea, there was Jordan, the country of Jordan. And the Dead Sea, suddenly the moon started arising. And when and I was facing it, the crowd was facing me. So as this thing came up, it was, it was just amazing. Uh, for, for, it first started with a little sliver of red rising on the horizon. I thought, well, that's interesting. Next thing, and it keeps rising, and it's come. And next thing you know, it looks like it's coming out of the Dead Sea. Now, this thing, I'm, you're not going to believe this, but this thing, it looked like uh, it looked like a country coming up out of the Dead I mean, it was huge, and it was blood moon, the color of that over there of that uh, banner on the wall, the flame banner. And as it came out uh, and into the sky, I stopped the music, and I, t and I said to everybody, I want you all to turn around and look that way. And these 6,000 people turned around. By that time, the moon had gotten all the way up, and you could hear the, <gasps> and the moans. And the, it, I mean, it was unbelievable. Blood, moon. And I don't have time uh, this morning to go into all the prophetic things that that means, but we've seen several blood moons since then. Jesus is coming. Amen? Now look at verse 3, chapter 2, verse 3. <clears throat> when Herod the king, how many of you know there were several Herods? There was Herod, and then there was Herod the Great, and there was this Herod and that Herod. But usually that was common for a man to name his son. If he was a king, he'd name his son after himself. And so when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and, and all Jerusalem with him. Now why was he troubled? He's a Jew. What's he troubled about? Anybody know? Yeah. Yeah. He, the, if this is king of the Jews, uh, the Messiah that's being born, what's going to happen to his kingship? Is, are they going to come and throw him out? And he tries to pull a little trick here. And I think you all know what that is, but let's, let's look at it. Uh, verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And, and I, I, when it says he demanded, I don't think he screamed and yelled. I think he was forceful. I, I wanna, but, but just stay with me. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, uh, for th thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of, of Judah, for out of you shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had pr privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, You go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I might come and worship him also. Now here's the little trick. You don't really think he wants to worship him, do you? No, what does he want to do? He wants to kill him. You know, and I, we're going to read it here in a moment, but 
scriptures talk about prophetically about the day will come when all of these children from two years down will all be massacred in Israel. Massacred. And that's what it was talking about. You'll see it here in just a moment. Now, where did I stop? Oh, verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the younger child was, the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had, now imagine that. These, these three adult men of royalty, rich like you can't believe, fall down in the presence of a newborn baby and begin to worship him on their face. When they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Frankincense and myrrh were uh, uh, substances that you got out of a tree or a bush. Uh, women used uh, some of this stuff to anoint themselves for their wedding. When somebody died, they anointed the body. Very, very expensive. It was so expensive, this stuff, that when they gathered it, they put it in, in uh, stone boxes. What's the name of that stone you can carve? It's alabaster, thank you. And alabaster box with a, a lid on it, and they would seal it, and they would put it somewhere safe for their wedding day or for a funeral in the family. And that's exactly what, what they're presenting here. These are priceless gifts. And verse 12, being warned of God in a dream. Boy, God, how many of you have ever had a dream you thought was from God? I should see lots of hands on that. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were de departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in another dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child, to destroy him. What kind of man could this King Herod have been? You know, this is the, the Herod that he was evil. And when he died, another Herod rose up who began to re rebuild uh, that area. It was already being rebuilt, but the retaining walls around the Temple Mount and, and the temple needed repair and all of these things. That, that, so they weren't totally bad, but when it came to them possibly losing their, their royalty, oh no, they're not going to share that with anybody. So verse 14, when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord of the Lord by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, see, he finds out that they left and didn't do what he told, he told them to do. He told them, you go find out where that child is and you come back and tell me. So he feels like they're mocking him. 
And so, well, let's just start at 16 again. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. He was angry. And he sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts. He didn't just kill the children in Bethlehem. He killed them all over up and down the coast and throughout Israel itself. All of them. Golly, can you imagine all these soldiers that, that served him, he had an army of them, and he, he gathers them together and says, yeah, take your swords, you guys go that way, you guys go that way, and I, every child you find that's two year, years old or younger, I want you to kill them with your sword. Cut their head off, whatever you, stick them, whatever you got to do, but I want them all dead. Why? Because he, for one thing, he doesn't want to lose his throne but should something happen to him, he's got a son, and he doesn't want his son to lose the power of being able to take the throne. It's, it's called fear and jealousy, and it turns into hatred. And, I, you, you know, you've got to hate a lot in order to allow yourself to order the death of babies and children. That's all I can tell you. So they, he slew, they slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy or Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet. Towards the end of your Old Testament, you'll find his book. You can go in there and look that scripture up if you've got a concordance. Verse 19, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. Uh, Nazareth, I've uh, been there. It's a pretty large city. Um, it's an amazing place. You'll remember that Jesus was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter. So they set up shop in Nazareth, and that's where they raised their son until he was about 30 years old. And then it was time for his ministry to, to begin. Why don't you close your eyes a minute? I want you to think about all the things we just read. I want you to think about this. When he was born, his father, God Almighty, was thinking about you. How in the world could anyone 
who knew that he was only going to have one child, a son, and, and how could anyone who realized that that son was going to die for people that did not deserve what he did for them, how could a man, a God, even consider doing that? I came under such conviction actually more than once in my life when I began to realize, God, how could you possibly love me? You know what I've done. You know the sins that I've committed. You know the blackness of my heart in some areas. You know how I abuse people and hurt people. How could you offer that, that day, and I've shared this with you before, but that day right around Christmas, I was home from college for the Christmas holiday, and my roommate in Portales, Eastern New Mexico University, had given me a book called The Late Great Planet Earth. I told you this. He said, here, take that with you and read it and tell me what you think when you get back. So I said, sure, I'll read anything. Keep in mind, I didn't know, I heard the name Jesus, but I didn't know anything about him. Never went to church in my life. So I'm reading this book. My family's watching the football game. I got hair down here past my shoulders. I'm doing drugs. I get up. They're all in the den. I get up and I go into my mother's living room. It was dark in there. I had just finished reading chapter 11 in that book. And the chapter is called The Ultimate Trip, talking about the rapture. I got in there, sat down on the couch, and I turned that book upside down. And here's what I said. Maybe you said something like this too. I said, Lord, such as I am. And believe me, I didn't think much of myself. you got to understand that. I said, Lord, such as I am, I give you my life. And there was a, there was a moment of silence. And... Suddenly the Lord spoke. He didn't speak audibly, but he might as well have. It was so powerful. He spoke directly into my heart. I will never forget what he said. I said, such as I am, I give you my life. He said, I'll take you just like you are. How could any God do that? We are serving the only God that there is, but we are serving the only God that men worship all over the world that would do what needed to be done. His son had many names. One of his names was Emmanuel. We just read that in the scripture. It means God with us. He gave the greatest gift that anybody could ever give. Lord, I don't understand your love sometimes. I don't understand. I appreciate it more than you could ever know, God, but I don't understand it. I don't deserve it. I don't. But Lord, I, I am thankful that you would trust me enough 
to raise me up, even though right now I've still got sin in my life just like you do. And every day I get up and go through the same ritual, Lord, please forgive me for all of my sins, and he does. He restores me, he forgives me. He washes me in his blood. I'm from the South, so I'd said wash. <laughs> Is it wash or wash? He, he dunks you in the blood of his son. And now when he looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of his son, and he sees perfection. And think, think about what he's trusted you to do for him. In Matthew 24, it says that the last thing that will happen before the rapture, before Jesus comes, the last thing that will happen will be the gospel will be preached throughout the world and then the end will come. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's already happened, whether you want to believe it or not. We've got television, satellites, we've got radio, we got you name it, we got it. Uh, America uh, is providing missionaries more than any other country in the world, actually more than all of them combined. Thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, Christians from America have donated their lives to go throughout the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, offering them life, healing their bodies. On the internet, I don't know, it's been a couple of years ago, there was a video shot in a mission meeting somewhere in Africa. Place was packed. There was probably two or three thousand people in this building. And suddenly there was a commotion over by the door on the side and it opened, the door opened, and they brought in a man who was dead. I mean he was dead. It wasn't a fake. It wasn't a show. This guy was dead. They had him on a cot looking thing body was already beginning to bloat he had been hadn't been dead long but he was dead and they brought him in they didn't ask permission they just brought him in and they they laid him they put the cot down in front of the evangelists and they were weeping this is, this is our brother our dad this is our we the evangelists walked over there and walked around this body two or three times and then he just took his hand and put it on his face. Come to life. Now. Then there's that awkward moment. Everybody's looking at everybody else. And then all of a sudden you hear a... And his eyes begin to flutter a little bit. And he opens his eyes. Takes a bigger breath. Comes back to life crowd goes insane and what happens a line forms on the other side of this guy that goes clear out of the building and out in the street and he must have been there for a couple of days praying for all those people when you live in a backward country like that you're susceptible to every known disease there is these people were hurting and they were desperately in need to be healed to be saved they financially they needed to be healed let me ask you all a question if, 
if you came across somebody that had died, how many raise your hand and say, I'd, I'd stop and pray for them. I wouldn't even be, be embarrassed. I'd pray for them. Come on, raise your hand. Let me see. Well, that's not all of you, but that's a start. Because I got to tell you, one day up in the mountains, uh, the, we had a men's, we called it, a, you know, people have those meetings in the mountains and they call them retreats. Well, we weren't men who retreated. We called ours an advance. It was a men's advance. And uh, while we were up there in a meeting, I had a vision. Now, a vision is a waking dream. It's where you're awake, but it's kind of like seeing a dream. It's a vision. And in this vision, I saw one of the floors in our hospital. Every person in every room rose up and walked out of the hospital. Now, they weren't dead. Most of them, I mean, they were in rooms. They were sick, they were this, that, whatever. But I saw that in a vision. It was exciting. The Bible in Matthew 24, again, I hope you'll read that when you get home. It talks about all these things that are going to happen just before he returns. Everybody look at me. It's happening now. It's happening now. And I'm not trying to scare you. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. Can you imagine that? God is good. Now I want you to close your eyes again. I'm, I'm closing in just a moment. Now, if you're here and you've never been saved, you're not sure you're saved, raise your hand. You're not sure you're going to heaven. Okay? If you're here and you've never spoken in tongues and you never, you don't think you've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. Don't be embarrassed. We all went through this. Oh, now come on. Where are you? What do I got to do, Liz? Do I have to go out there and hit them? You want the power of the, of the Lord. Come on up here. Come on. Yeah, well, it's okay. Liz, won't you stand with her? Uh, we're right over there. Come on, if you want your prayer language, it'll change your whole life. It'll give you power. The Bible says you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. If you haven't got that, you need to get up here. I'm not going to embarrass you, and it'll only take about three minutes. We had uh, somebody in our my office just, just last week, and Liz and I were there, and we asked her, it's a member of our church, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. We asked her, do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she just began to sniffle a little, and she said, I sure do. I said, well, then let's pray. And we prayed, and you know what happened? Out of, out of her mouth came the most beautiful language I have ever heard. And I told her, I said, Speak a little bit louder so you can hear it. And she raised the voice. See, when you speak in tongues, it's 50% God and it's 50% you. She had to do the speaking. He gave the words, the utterance. But, but listen to me. Since she was doing the speaking, she had control of the volume. 
Okay? That's the way this is supposed to work. Now, everybody look at me. If you come up here this morning to get this and you go, nothing's going to happen. you got to open your mouth and start speaking. You say, well, what, what do I speak? You'll speak whatever he puts on your tongue. Everybody look at me. You won't understand a word you're saying. You're not supposed to. Paul said, when I pray in tongues, my mind is unfruitful. In other words, I don't understand a word I'm saying. And he said for him, his languages he knew were Greek and Aramaic. For him, he said, sometimes I pray in the understanding and sometimes I pray in the Spirit. Sometimes I sing in the understanding. Sometimes I sing in the Spirit. Power. It's for power. About 35 years ago, I, had, I began to have people come to me and prophesy over me that people were going to be raised from the dead in my ministry. And I, I got excited, but there again, I thought, well, yeah, sure, you know, you know how you think. In 2015, January, uh, I died in the hospital up here. Had a blood infection called sepsis. Hmm? 2005, think, what did I say, 15? Well, I missed it by 10 years. 2005, sorry. And, uh, you know, doctors kind of encouraged her to let me go. I was in a coma. Told her I wasn't going to live or I'd be a vegetable. But see, she remembered those prophecies. She's thinking, I'm not letting him go. He's got things to do. There's been three people raising the dead in my ministry. And I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. Now, if you are out there and you'd like to come up and help me pray, uh, if you if you would do me the service of coming up and laying hands on one of these ladies, would you come right now? Men or women, doesn't make any difference. Y'all spread out here a little bit. Oh, oh are you the only? Are all of you got your prayer language except her? I see. You too, Michael. You have yours. Michael, you have. Okay. Anybody else want this prayer? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. I want you to bow your heads. and I want all of you, and you're going to say this prayer after me, okay? Out loud, and they're going to say it also with you. And after you say amen, you're, you're, going to, you're not going to do this. You're going to open your, you're going to open, just pull that down. You're going to open your mouth, and you're going to take a deep breath. Marte Shipa lo padre mi eche pita la domo vara ne dice. Okay. Y'all ready? Everybody say this prayer, Lord Jesus. I love you, and I know you've given gifts to the church, and I'm part of the church. So these gifts must be for me. So right now, Jesus, I ask you to baptize me in the Holy Spirit and I receive it by faith. I also receive the prayer language 
that goes with it. It's not scary. It's wonderful. So right now, by faith, I'm going to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody ready? Take a deep breath and start speaking. Come on, let me hear you. You got to do the speaking. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Oh, that's nice. Come on. Don't stop. Come on, don't stop. You gotta you gotta move your mouth. You gotta move your mouth and speak. Come on, come on, come on. I'm here. That's it. Oh, that's nice. Y'all all hear that? Yeah, she's doing it. And don't let anybody cheat you out of it. All right, everybody stop. I'm going to tell you, I had a conversation with somebody that was in the charismatic renewal with me about 45 years ago. Well, it was Jerry Dixon, the guy I told you fell off the roof. And by the way, he wanted me to send uh, to you his love that you prayed for him. He's doing fine. He crushed every rib on one side. He had, uh, he had uh, damage in all of the organs. He was in surgery seven hours. And you prayed, and he's alive. And his wife, Rose, wanted me to thank you too. But in our conversation on the phone, he said, John, what's happening? What's happened to the charismatic renewal? Where, where's the speaking in tongues? Where are the gifts of the Spirit? Where's the power? And he said, these, all these charismatic churches are just letting it go. They, they don't seem to want it anymore. Let me tell you something. If you're going to go to church here, you might as well get ready because I am not going to allow that to happen. We've got some things to do. And we're going to obey God. And we're going to give him all the credit and all the glory, not me and not you. Everybody with me? Turn around and tell somebody you love them. Here, come up here, reindeer. Come here. What does that say? I deserve to be spoiled. Ha <laughs> ha. <clears throat> now, oh, y'all can be seated. This lady came about that close, didn't she, to dying. She went to the hospital and they transferred her to Loveless Clinic in Albuquerque. How long were you in there? A week. <clears throat> and you were very, very ill. And again, your prayers, it, you, you could feel it, couldn't you? Do you want to say anything? All the prayers, I, I, I stood there in peace, and I felt good, and I knew I was in the hands of the Lord because all your hands were reaching out to me. And I had a very a beautiful, beautiful experience of peace while I was there, was not afraid. And I just said, okay, God, it's in your hands, and you know what you have for me. And I decided I had a visit from the Lord 
I had all my Christmas stuff put up, and I was in, uh, says, you need to get up and get in the spirit, and I want to see it every day. So Amen. that's how I have it. Because <laughs> you're in it Yes, today. thank you. And thank you, guys. I love you all very much. Hallelujah. Uh, reach your hands out this way. Lord, we just uh, pray for Margie again. Thank you, Lord. We love her very much. She was one of my students in loving in English class, and she's very smart. And were you afraid of me? No. No, okay. So, Lord, just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wish I could tell you that everybody had a good outcome like she did, but they don't. Benny lost his son. I hope you're remembering to pray for him and Linda. Uh, they're newlyweds. And how's it going? You still love each other? <laughs> Look at that. They hold hands all the time. They must be crazy. We're proud of you. But, you know, he lost his son. It was his only child, his only son. And, uh, Benny, we just want you to know we love you. You're a special guy. And, uh, Brian, this is a special guy. And you know where he is right now? He's in the arms of Jesus. And you'll see him again. I promise. Yep. I almost died. I had a vision of God. And he told me that. I'm not done with you yet. So by the grace of God... I'm still here, and I came home Sunday, and these guys said, surprise, and I thought they were nuts, and I saw Charles and Liz come in with food, and I said, oh, it's for me. <laughs> yeah, give her a hand. Do what? Yeah. Who else has had the, the virus? Look at that. Eric. Eric was in danger, bad danger. And uh, we love you. And I'm glad God healed you because we need you. And uh, I'm going to share one last thing. The vaccine, the first one, is going to be somewhere tomorrow. Uh, I don't know how long it'll be before all of you have an opportunity to take it. I know some of you won't take it. You just won't. I want, I want to ask you to pray about that. Now, if, you're, if you're nervous, you can wait a while and see what happens to everybody else that takes it. See if they have a bad reaction or something bad happens to them. If you don't see that, then you can feel safe uh, to take it. Uh, there, are, there are at least two other vaccines that are on the way. One of them is a one-shot vaccine. Uh, the one that's coming out tomorrow is a two-shot deal. So the reason I'm sharing it with you, I'm not trying to force you to do anything, but would you agree with me we've got to get this thing off the planet, get it out of our homes, get it, get, get it out of our lives? And uh, let me share something with you. How many of you remember polio, measles? When I was a little kid, about five, I can still remember my mom putting me in the car, driving me to the courthouse, the 80-county courthouse. 
we get in a line that went clear out in the outside on the sidewalk. And you know what was in that line? Little kids just like me, bawling and screaming. Because nobody likes to get shots. Oh, happy day when they start putting it on a sugar cube. But, but listen to me. Polio was eradicated off this planet. Totally. Just pretty much. Measles. And then what happened? People, I ain't taking that. And then it broke out again over uh, in Africa and the European Next, Now we've got this stuff trying to come back. And we don't want it back. Franklin uh, Delano Roosevelt, our president back in the 40s during World War II, uh, had polio. And uh, anyway, I, I want all of you to be happy and healthy. And uh, I want you to know that God loves you very much. And I love you. Well, let's pray and I'm going to let you go. Father, be with our church. We've got a lot of people that are still uh, in quarantine. Some of them are, don't feel well. and Some of them are afraid to come back to church because they don't want to, to get this thing. And I don't blame them. I've had it already. Liz has had it. Liz was in the hospital seven days. Uh, Father, and I'm so grateful that you saved my wife's life because she is my rock. Thank you, Lord. As we go today, may we take the precious Holy Spirit with us. And Father, if someone needs to be saved, help one of us to be the one that takes them to the Lord. If someone needs to be healed, help one of us have the boldness to pray for them so they'd be healed. If someone needs a financial miracle, let one of us be used by you to meet that need. Father, whatever the need is, we just ask you to use us. We want to be pleasing to you. You are our God, and we love you. Lord, be with everyone now as they go. In Jesus' name, everybody say it. And thank all of you on Facebook for being with us, and we hope you'll uh, join us again. God bless you. You're dismissed. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.